This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. Great to be with you for another episode. A lot to get through today. A lot to get through today. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, any updates to our portfolios, the news around Elon Musk. Rivian going public uh, and the latest in the land of crypto ETFs and products. Yeah. Pretty big. Pretty big. Before we get going, uh, we want to announce the Equity Mates Awards. And this is something that we're going to be doing uh, towards the end of this year, just before we all go on holidays. And we're pretty excited. We've got a number of categories that we're looking for nominations from the Equity Mates community. in particular areas. So we've got investor of the year, we've got CEO business leader of the year, we've got community member of the year, as well as ETF of the year and product of the year. The way it's going to work is we want the equity mates community to nominate in those particular categories over the next couple of weeks. Link to do that will be in the show notes or on our Instagram page. And then from there, we will have a list of finalists to be announced uh, week commencing 13th of December. So pretty exciting. Yeah, the Equitymates community is one of the biggest retail investor communities in Australia. And we figured let's use the power of that community to uh, award some uh, some guests who have been on the show or some product issuers that we all like. Uh, ETFs are such a hot topic. They've got their own category. Yes, uh, We see this as becoming the most prestigious award <laughs> in the uh, retail investor landscape. We see beta shares, VanEck, ETF securities, BlackRock competing tooth and nail to win <laughs> ETF of the year every year. Yes, um, But it should be a bit of fun. It should be an opportunity to look back on the year that was because a lot has happened. And it's an opportunity to share some of the great work that all of the Equity Mates podcasts are doing. You know, in, investor of the year, CEO, business person of the year. 
you know, it's not just us that are interviewing some of the best in the business. It's you're in good company. It's talk money to me. Uh, it's all of the other podcasts in the Equimate stables. So really looking forward to seeing what the nominations are. Yep. Bryce cannot be nominated for investor of the year, <laughs> despite Roblox's <laughs> quarterly uh, update, but we'll get to that. But yeah, jump in, have a look, nominate your mates for community member of the year um, and should be a bit of fun. That's it. So full instructions and um, how to do it are on the form. As I said, link in these uh, show notes or head across to our Instagram page. There'll be a post there with link in bio. So we'd love to hear your nominations and uh, looking forward to seeing what comes of it. But Ren, let's start with the news of last two weeks ago that came out in the press and that was that Equity Mates Media completed a seed round. Yeah, I think let's just nod to the, so obviously there was an AFR article, uh, we're really excited about it. We know some people want us to talk about it and we know that other people will think it's just complete self-indulgence to talk about it. So uh, what we're going to do is at the end of this episode, we'll chat about it. We'll give you guys an update on how it happened and what the plans are. But if you just don't want to hear about the Equimates business story and you just want to focus on the markets, you can just turn the podcast off early. So uh, we'll get to that, but we just wanted to nod to it that we hear the people that are asking uh, for it and we also get the sense that some people just don't want it. So we'll jump to the end if you want to skip to it. So let's turn to chatting about our portfolios. This is uh, a podcast about tracking our journey of investing. So what's anything been happening on your end? Well, this is all you. Uh, You've put all the notes in here. I'm seeing a number of companies, some of which I own, uh, one of which I know I knew that you wanted to talk about because it had a great quarterly report. So I think this is going to be a hand the mic over to you and let you go situation. Sure. Well, one company that I have been buying, sort of averaging into over the last year or so, probably since uh, earlier this year, was Airbnb. And uh, I've taken positions in it quite regularly, thinking that, you know, once COVID sort of sorts itself out and over in America it was sorting itself out quicker than it was here in Australia and the reopening was happening, that uh, it was going to be a good news story for Airbnb. And it came out with a pretty phenomenal Q3 earnings report. Mm, which um, some people might be surprised by given COVID and lockdown. Yeah, but it's it's not only a good one, it's their best ever mm. um, quarterly report. So they had revenue of $2.2 billion, which was their highest ever, 36% higher than Q3 2019. Uh, their net income of $834 million was the most profitable quarter ever, nearly four times larger than a year ago. And it's off the back of uh, the changing way in which people are using Airbnb coming from uh, the effects of COVID. Yeah, forget this as a holiday platform. This is now a work remote platform. Yeah, exactly. So they've brought in a couple of features and then they've also noticed, to your point, Ren, how people are changing the way that they use Airbnb. So a couple of things like the I'm flexible feature, they say is now becoming incredibly popular. Essentially what it does is, now that people don't have to work in the office all the time, they can just uh, say that I want to be away for a couple of weeks roughly in the first half of the year or in January or whatever it may be, you just click I'm flexible mm. and it'll give you appropriate dates. Yeah. Um, and then also people are now spending uh, more time at Airbnbs longer term. Yeah, mm. yeah. We've done a couple of campaigns for Airbnb this year and it's been noticeable, well, it was noticeable for us that all of the campaigns were about 
getting more hosts on the platform. They just there was no need to advertise the fact that Airbnb existed and that yeah. if you wanted to book a holiday, it should start with Airbnb. Like it, for me, that was just such a clear indication that the consumer behavior of if I'm going away, I start with Airbnb is so ingrained. Yeah, it's definitely ingra- ingrained with me. Like I never would go to like hotels combined Bookings. or like booking yeah which are all great businesses yeah, yeah. but for me the attraction of staying in a house compared to a hotel is just so much better uh the locations are better that everything you get is better and i think for people of our generation that is just so ingrained mm. that airbnb's only challenge is getting more supply of houses onto the platform Absolutely. And the good news is that there's a significant increase in hosts coming onto the platform. Oh, really? Yeah. So our advertising campaign works? Yeah, our advertising oh, nice. campaign is doing well. Yeah, so they made note in their um, and in their Q3 report that they're pleased with the uh, amount of supply that's coming in um, yeah. off the back of, I guess, the work that they're doing to promote that and tell people that you can earn an extra dollar by leasing out your home and those sorts of things. So, look, for me, it's just uh, a nice to see. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it continues when more countries around the world start opening up and international borders open up and the impact it's going to have on Airbnb. But pretty strong report, q yeah. report. Yeah. Speaking of strong reports as well, Ren, uh, now this is not in my portfolio, regrettably, but it is one of the stocks of the year for me and I, will, I won't touch on it a lot, but uh, for those following our stock of the year uh, competition, Roblox had another very impressive Q3 report and uh, it jumped 40% overnight. It came off the back of revenue up 140% and also hours engaged were 9.7 billion hours engaged, uh, an increase of almost 100% year over year. So I'll do a bit more of a deep dive into that when we have our stock of I the year. I don't think we need to do more of a deep dive, <laughs> to be honest. I think we get it, you know. <laughs> Roblox is adjacent to the metaverse. Zuckerberg starts talking about the metaverse. There's a metaverse bump, but is it sustainable? We'll metaverse see. bump. There's always a metaverse Those numbers bump, are not you know, metaverse bumps. Yeah, metaverse bump. Like a fleeting curiosity, <laughs> you would say. Another update from me uh, is I now no longer hold any afterpay. I'm totally out. Wow, there yeah. you go. Don't believe in Square. No. Well, I don't want to have the those those shares at the moment. I think that um the money could be better spent elsewhere. Right. As a long term square shareholder, I think you're mistaken, but fair call. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can get into share I can get back into square yeah, at some point, but I figured how do, how do the uh you put some money aside for tax? Yeah, well I've actually been selling out of afterpay for probably twelve to eighteen months. So Yes, is the short answer. Sure. But yeah, uh, Sayonara Afterpay. Will I get into Square at some point? Potentially. I don't know. But you're a shareholder. Yeah, have been for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll sell because it's acquiring Afterpay. True. <laughs> and, one, and one other thing. Um, about two years ago, I bought into uh, a Russell 2000 Index ETF uh, and have just been averaging into For people it. who are unfamiliar... Russell 2000. Well, that's why I wanted. That's what I wanted to bring it up. So the Russell 2000 is um, essentially a small cap index. It's the bottom 2000 um, smallest 2000 stocks in the Russell 3000 index, which is I think the 3000 largest stocks in the United States, something along those lines. Dude, if you bought it, you should know what it is. Well, it's it is. It's the it's (laughs) 2000 smallest small cap stocks essentially. Right. And it's been bubbling along for a little bit and kind of not doing a lot, but um, since the end of um. COVID, it's just kind of gone 
gangbusters as has the rest of the market. But I just wanted to kind of point it out if people are looking for a uh, a sick of having ETFs in the top end of town, then there are alternatives to get access to that bottom small cap exposure, which I'm kind of enjoying at the moment. Yeah. My my only reservation with small cap ETFs is for every great company that is rising through the index, there are terrible companies that are falling through the index as mm, well. Mm. And like, that's the same in, in bigger ETFs, but when there's 2,000 stocks in the, AT, in, the, in the index, there's a lot further to fall. There is a lot further to fall, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just like it. It's a part of the market I want access to without having to pick individual stocks. And you don't you don't want to think about active management? I can't justify it at the moment. It's okay. just it's just something that You um, can't justify it. I, I can't justify paying the fees for active management. Even if you find one that outperforms net of fees. I mean, over the last few years it's tough to find something like yeah, that. Yeah, last few years is tough. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, it's like it doesn't feel like it's the right time to do that. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, what, what do you think? I think now is probably exactly the right time to do... Well, management. I'm, yeah, because I, I just, like every indication is saying that what we're seeing in the markets at the moment isn't sustainable. We just saw 6, 6.2% inflation out of the US mm. where it, this is as close to an everything bubble as we're probably going to get into. Like there, there was a conversation between Seth Klarman and Stanley Druckenmiller like last week where... They were talking about how everything is in a bubble because everything is priced off the price of bonds mm. and the price of bonds has just been so distorted that everything is just way too inflated. Regardless of like whether this is an everything bubble or not, I just don't think the all-world index returning 28.5% a year is sustainable. No. I think it will revert to the main and I think that when that happens active management will start to outperform indexes again. Like it, it always happens. It moves in cycles. And yeah. some, sometimes the index outperforms and active management suffers. At other times active management outperforms and the index doesn't do as well. Mm. And so for me, it's like you don't want to chase performance. You don't want to, you don't want to say, well, the index has done incredibly well the last two years and that, that's going to keep going. You want to say what's going to happen next. And for me... I like, obviously, I'm still going to hold a whole bunch of ETFs. That core part of my portfolio is just dollar cost averaging away. But for me, I think if things start to get in trouble, if interest rates have to rise quickly to deal with inflation and then that changes the price of assets meaningfully and quickly, that's probably where you want active management. Yeah, it's just so difficult to um, – like this could go on for another five years. I just, yeah, it could, but like Will the, the Fed is tapering. The yeah. inflation is hot in the US and Europe. I think Europe came in at like 4%, so not as hot, but still pretty hot. You know, and this whole like inflation is transitory conversation, I think is... I think is, that message is starting to change. It's though. gone, yeah. yeah. I think as soon as labour... So when you look at like the inputs for inflation, like mm. shipping costs, raw material input costs, like all of that stuff, you know, that... High, the cure for high prices there is high prices. As prices go up, more producers, more capacity comes into the market and prices come down. But labor is the one thing where, you know, when prices are high, they are very sticky. It's very hard to pull back a, you know, a wage hike for workers. And so I think we're seeing an incredibly hot labor market in the US. And I think that is the part where inflation will no longer be transitory. So maybe just double down on... On my active management then. 
Well, you just said you didn't want to do active management. <laughs> no, not in small caps. Not in small caps. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, I don't have a small cap active manager in my portfolio. I, I was actually looking for one with the uh, NAB equity builder. Yeah, yeah. And we told NAB we would stop mentioning the equity builder <laughs> because so many people have applied that they can't keep up with applications. So apologies, True. NAB. But um, I was looking at the list of approved investments for the equity builder because there are a few small cap managers that we've spoken to over the journey at Equity Mates that I just think are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, one that comes to mind, and this is by no means, you know, the only one or like a specific recommendation, but every time we speak to Tobias Bucks, I'm just blown from away. From Ozbill. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And But Nick. his his fun, oh, and Nick Cragen from yeah. Fairlight. Yeah, yeah. now that just blown away every time we speak to them. Both of neither of their funds are listed in the NAB Equity Builder product. I know. And when I was flicking through it, there's a there's a lot of large cap managers, but for me that's not that exciting. A lot of Australian equity managers, yeah. um, for me again, not that exciting. And then a whole bunch of managers from firms that I just don't really want to put my money with. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's like two pages of AMP managed yeah. funds and and stuff also like that. Uh, it's it feels a little outdated as well. Like all these great managers that we're speaking to who are running these sustainability funds the mary mannings for example all their stuff's not on there either so no mary manning is there Alf- not, not the sustainability no fund, but though. the alfinity global is there and she's a portfolio manager there yeah but you want this i want the sustainability one yeah well we did yeah. raise that with mary when we spoke to her the global one she is a man I, I did this because yeah I, I went deep on some of this stuff she's there okay yeah long story short um Always a lot happening in our portfolios. I, I, I think for me, I think for me, the takeaway from that whole discussion is there's no like the the beauty of investing is you don't have to go all in on one yeah, thing. Yeah, like yeah. that whole conversation about is the index going to outperform or is active management going to outperform? You don't have to pin your colors to no, one no, side no, of that no. debate yeah. and not move. Like yeah. I made the case that I think active management might be due a moment in the coming years, but. I can just put my money with both. Like yeah, I can yeah, just yeah. I can just put some into indexes, put some with active managers I like and just keep dollar cost averaging into both. Yeah. Also saving some money to put in individual shares when I when I want to. And at the end of the day, whichever outperforms, I'll have some exposure. And the most important thing is being invested at all gets you like 80% of the way there. Yeah. Whether you get the market return or the market return plus two percent alpha like the the important thing is that you're growing your wealth and you're exposed to the market rather than in, sitting in a savings account like yeah. that's what matters everything else is talking on the margins yeah agreed um so for those uh who are interested in the russell 2000 uh etf it's a vanguard etf and it is vtwo so there you go cool nice well let's move on ren Let's do it. What else is happening? Rivian went public overnight. We're recording this on the 11th of November. And uh, for those that are unaware of what Rivian is, let's start there. What is it? Uh, It is an electric truck, uh, an electric van maker uh, that has never made a dollar in its life. Never made a dollar in its (laughs) life. It listed on the NASDAQ last night. R-I-V-N is the ticker. And... What an IPO. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> it was chasing a $65 billion valuation. I think it came in higher than that. So Without making a single cent yeah, of revenue. Yeah, with no revenue. It's 22% <laughs> owned by Amazon, 5% owned by Ford, 
And whilst it doesn't make any revenue, Amazon have committed to buying 100,000 electric trucks by 2025. And as part of the deal, Rivian can only sell electric delivery vans to Amazon for the next four years. So basically, no one else can buy it. But, you know, Amazon's a big customer to, I guess, advertise these vans. When Jeff Bezos went to space in July, yeah. uh, he rode in a Rivian prototype electric truck to the launch pad. So like Amazon and Rivian are pretty tight at the hip and that's what's getting people really excited about this company. It actually raised $11 billion and that puts it in the top 10 American IPOs of all time. Uh, according to Deal Logic, in terms of the amount of money raised at the IPO, not in terms of valuation, but in terms of the amount of money they raised from investors. Yeah, yeah. So it was like a marquee IPO, like big, big, uh, big deal. I think there were like 20 investment banks involved in the process. It's all academic at this point. Yeah, well, I'm just thinking that. Like surely they've they've got a production line going and like they're yeah, well, well they, on the way to- They've got a factory and they've got prototypes. Yeah, 2025, yeah. they're committed to 100,000 trucks. So in the next, what, three and a bit years, they need to to get that rolling out the door. We, you know the challenges that Tesla faced to get 100,000. So yeah, uh, it'll be interesting. Speaking of Tesla, we should talk about that. But let's close out Rivian first. Yeah, it will be interesting. So they're uh, competing with Tesla, obviously, but there's a number of other competitors that are coming into this space. So all the legacy car manufacturers, your Volkswagens, your Audis, your Fords, are all pushing into this space. Um, And, you know, the electric SUV, the electric delivery van market will will be hotly contested. But then there's also newer entrants, uh, Fisker, which was an older electric car maker back when Tesla was first kicking off that collapsed and then has been revived. Uh, They're making an electric pickup truck, I'm pretty sure. There's uh, China's Neo. There's a number of other electric car makers. So there's a lot of hype around Rivian, but I think the important thing to watch is the amount of competitors coming into this space because it's going to heat up when scott morrison is promising to put cash into electric vehicles you know that the world is is moving in that direction yeah 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 yeah. so i just want to confirm they can only sell electric vans to amazon for the four years post 2025 no or from now from now now. okay interesting so pretty big play from amazon um 22 percent it's interesting also that there's this focus on suvs and pickups i think that's the Especially in America, like that's such an that's impo- important car. category that Tesla haven't been able to crack. And because it's all it's all of these technical things that, you know, like the power to weight ratio and the, the towing power and, you know, like electric vehicles, batteries are heavy. They take up a lot of space in the car and they work for sedans a lot better than they work for pickup trucks or something like that. Yeah. That's why like an electric big truck, you know, like without trucks, yeah, yeah, Australia yeah. stops trucks. Yeah. Um, B- are just B- not doubles. on are just not on the cards. Yeah, like, that's why batteries would be nuts. But just because like <laughs> the the amount of batteries you need. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's why hydrogen might make more sense for mm. those trucks. Long so way. yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a different technical, I guess, engineering problem. So if you're interested in the EV space, as a lot of the Equimates community are, then uh, but you don't want to just buy Tesla. Um, if you missed the ASX Week interview with Eugene, yeah, that was um, he uh, specifically spoke about a number of stocks to play the electric vehicle theme without um, 
having to invest in Tesla. So make sure you go back and have a listen to that. Really fascinating space. And as we've spoken to many experts, one that's playing an important part for our future. So before we hit uh, a bit about the crypto space, Ren, let's uh, stick on the EV theme, Tesla. Yeah, did you say Elon, Elon's Twitter poll? Elon's putting up Twitter polls on whether or not he should sell billions of dollars or 10% worth of his company. Yeah, did you vote? <laughs> no. Uh, I voted. Did you? Yeah. What did you vote? I voted no. I said he shouldn't sell. Did you, did you leave a comment? No. Oh, okay. No. So for people who missed it, uh, Elon basically put up a tweet saying, I've heard the debate around taxing uh, capital gains in the US or unrealized capital gains in the US. And to prove a point or whatever, I don't really understand the connection, but he was like, I'll, um, I'll sell 10% of my Tesla holdings. I guess so the government could tax it. And then he was Isn't like- Isn't it also to do with the fact there's no income tax in Texas though? There's no state income tax. Yeah. yeah, there's federal income tax. Okay, gotcha. But yeah. the, no, the the Democrats have put a proposal on the table to tax unrealized capital gains. So right now, Jeez. around the world, you get taxed capital gains when you, when you when sell. There's a yeah, taxable yeah. event when you sell an asset. So you can hold a share for five years, and you only get taxed when you sell it. There's conversations in the US about every year That's measuring that capital gains, <laughs> and re- regardless if you've sold it or not. That tax the the difference. What and you get a uh, you get a re well not a rebate but you can claim the loss if it's a I guess so yeah if it's a bear market yeah I guess so yeah. that's ridiculous I know and, and the the logic there is you know Bezos Musk yeah, have held yeah. equity in their companies for twenty years and have never been taxed on it yeah but they're gonna so s- that's the debate over there let's not get bogged down in that mm-hmm. um it, it does feel like it's a fraught proposal yeah. Um, yeah, so Musk put this Twitter poll up, said, uh, I'm going to let Twitter decide if I should sell 10% of my holding and people could vote. And I think like three or four million people ended up voting, maybe more. Um, about 55 to 45 said he should sell. Uh, if I was a Tesla shareholder, so I'm not, are you? No, but I'm, I want to be. I would be pretty annoyed. I would be yeah, like yeah, Elon definitely. for so long has yeah. been like, I all of my wealth is tied up in SpaceX and Tesla and like a few of the other companies. For context, uh, the numbers, there's some different reporting, but I think Elon owns about 23% of Tesla. Uh, yeah. So, and you know, given it's a, call it a trillion dollar company for yeah. ease of math, so $230 billion. Yeah. Um, if he sells 10% of that, it's about $23 billion. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think we did the maths based on the long-term capital gains rate in the US. It would have been about like between five and six billion in in tax that the, the government would have taken. So twenty three billion to sell. The Twitter poll said yes. No one knows yet. Maybe by the time this is out, uh, he will have had to have reported it. But speculation is he sold a whole chunk Monday morning. The stock dropped a little, 5%. I think even more than that, 10% in today. But the volume, the, the daily volume was just, it peaked a lot higher than, than average. Yeah, wow. Um, uh, the other thing could be a lot of people were trying to front run Elon selling. True, true, yeah. get out. Well, yeah. yeah, and his brother sold and... Yeah, speaking of front running. Yeah, yeah, his brother got out. I don't, no, got not out to the, the tune ch- of $115 million. Yeah, yeah. 15% of his holding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's incredible stuff. Here's the question though. So do you remember the funding secured tweet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, 2018, Elon tweeted... Uh, Taking Tesla private at yeah. $420 a share, funding secured. Yeah. Tesla was trading a lot lower than $420 a share at that time. The SEC, they fined him, they slapped him on the wrist. Um, 
and they said any tweet that had the possibility of moving the Tesla share price had to be reviewed by Tesla lawyers. Like that was part of the settlement. So regardless of if this was insider trading or if this was, you know, market manipulation or anything like that, this was a tweet that would move Tesla's share price. 100%. I don't think Tesla's lawyers would have reviewed it. Or they've reviewed it and just gone, yeah. Just cowboy for, lawyers. Yeah, just go for it. <laughs> they just go, there's no issue here. Maybe. <laughs> but here's, so as part of that settlement uh, in 2018, Elon had to pay a $20 million fine. Tesla had to pay a $20 million fine. But Elon didn't want Tesla to have to pay for his mistake. So he organized for Tesla to sell him $20 million worth of shares. So he could basically give the company $20 million to pay that fine. Have a look at the price chart of what $20 million worth of Tesla stock in 2018 would have done to today. True, true. <laughs> Very good investment. Very for good him. investment. Yeah. Wow. Look, it's all happening with Elon. It's just, I love following him on Twitter. There's always something going on. And I just always remind myself that. The marketing spend of Tesla as an organization is zero dollars. And it's uh, because, well, and having a CEO like him. Is that, is, is that true? They don't do any marketing? N- no marketing. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. They yeah. just don't spend a dime. I guess they've got, they've got showrooms. They've got Elon Musk. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but they had that showroom in the city. In yeah. The city. Yeah. But they're not like, uh, have you ever seen a Tesla ad on TV? Yeah. True. Yeah. True. Have you ever seen anything in magazines? They don't do it. Isn't, all. isn't just... that, isn't that the Lamborghini quote about the, like the CEO of Lamborghini said, we don't do TV ads because our clientele aren't watching Probably TV. Probably don't watch TV. Maybe yeah. that's the same as uh, Tesla. Yeah. There's some media channel that we don't know about. Yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Billionairesonly.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ren, uh, quickly, uh, singles days. The today, the day we're recording, 11th of November, it's the world's largest retail event mm. of the year over in China. Started as a way of celebrating single people. Yeah, I think, yeah, called Bachelor's Day. Bachelor's then Day. Day. Yeah. Um, Alibaba really pioneered it. Well, it was there. They started it and it, it is unbelievable. But this year, Singles Day has a twist and I think it shows a changing Chinese corporate landscape. But let's start with the numbers. Last year, Alibaba had $78 billion in sales in one day. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Let's put that in context. Coles does just shy of $40 billion in sales in a year. (laughs) So Alibaba did in a day what Coles does in two years. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. (laughs) That is just an ungodly amount of money. 583,000 orders were packed per second. Per second. You're not responding, but per second. I'm speechless. <laughs> uh, even And like influencers and a whole bunch of other people get on the action, in on the action. One influencer sold $1.7 billion worth of products in a day. Yeah. Imagine like, uh, name an influencer, like the inspired unemployed selling $1.7 billion worth of their new beer in a day. Any, you never need to do anything <laughs> ever again. Yeah, it's fascinating. And look, it's led to uh, the huge Black Friday sales over in the States and a bunch of other online retailers trying to get in on the action as well following suit. Mm. Don't Amazon do the same thing? They do their massive one day, well, now it's four days. Well, so Black, I think Black, Black Monday was pre-Singles Day. Was it? Because I think that was always like the post-Thanksgiving, like Christmas is here, let's, you know, and there were all those videos of people like lining up at midnight outside Walmarts and then there was that stampede when the doors opened. Didn't know that. Didn't know that. And no. then Black Friday then, and then all the 
e-commerce retailers and created Cyber Monday. Cyber Monday, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, now yeah, it's like a four-day yeah, yeah, yeah. deal Cyber extravaganza. Monday. That's what I'm talking about. Um, but this year is different. So this year, obviously, in the in the past twelve months, we've seen China really crack down on big business, on the excesses of capitalism, on wealth inequality, and Singles Day is the symbol of a lot of these excesses of capitalism, growth at all cost mentality. And so this year, the themes are green logistics, eco-friendly products, and consuming with care. In previous years, you know, Jack Ma's been on the stage with Daniel Craig and Scarlett Johansson, and they've had some of the biggest superstars in the world doing like a telethon uh, to to celebrate Singles Day. Uh, a lot of that has been stripped back. Well, Jack Ma is obviously not involved anymore. It's all uh, it's all very much toned down, subdued, uh, a real focus on charity. I think every time uh, someone does like a social media mention of Alibaba's charitable contribution, they're donating like a one some amount of money to charity. That seems um, a bit BS, to be honest. Mention us on social media and we'll give money to charity. So mention our charitable efforts yeah. on social media and we'll give money to charity. Yeah, that's just marketing. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess it's marketing. It's hit, it's a, it's just a not, veil of... But but I think, I think the point is the marketing focus is different. The marketing mm. focus is about like common prosperity, sharing the wealth, rather than in previous years, marketing was about like buy stuff yeah i can see <laughs> where they're trying to go look at these new products buy. i can see where they're trying to go anyway it is worth noting this if you're interested in investing in china like the dynamic is shifting nice one well uh let's take a quick break and then we'll chat about what's going on in the land of crypto Ren, there have been some pretty big announcements in the world of crypto. Uh, we are an equities podcast, but uh, given the enthusiasm for crypto in the Equitymates community, we thought we'd briefly touch on it. The first big announcement was that Equitymates Media launched a crypto show. So uh, we will have the host and COO of Bamboo, Tracy, joining us in a moment to chat through what is going on in the uh, crypto markets and also to briefly chat about the show. But Ren, let's discuss some of the new ETFs that have hit the market because it's pretty big news. Yeah, three ETFs hit the boards in the last couple of weeks. One in the US, two in Australia that we think is worth talking about. So first, uh, ProShares Bitcoin Strategy ETF, BITO, listed in New York. It tracks the Bitcoin futures market. Uh, Then BetaShares Crypto Innovators ETF, CRYP, uh, and then ETF Securities, FinTech and Blockchain ETF, FTEC, mm. F-T-A-C. So three uh, blockchain and Bitcoin related ETFs have hit the market. My first takeaway is it's good that the regulators finally let some of these products Love to say it. go. Second takeaway is none of them actually track Bitcoin. No, no. So there was a bit of confusion around, yeah. uh, around that in our group particularly. A lot of people saying they were using it to dip their toes into crypto. That's not the case. You're dipping your toes into companies that either have, you know, used crypto in their balance sheets or are involved in the crypto uh, universe or landscape in some way. But if you're thinking you're buying these to actually get exposure directly to cryptocurrencies, think again. We haven't hit that yet. Australia or the US hasn't hit that. I'm pretty sure there's a spot Bitcoin ETF in Canada. Do your own research, but I'm pretty sure it's spot in Canada. Yeah, and my my kind of uh, thinking around if if you're going to buy an ETF that tracks the price spot price of Bitcoin, 
kind of buy the thing yourself, but that's my yeah, pers- so this, person, that's my personal opinion. This was this was going to be my question because we both own the assets themselves. Now, the ProShares Bitcoin strategy one that tracks the Bitcoin futures market, I just don't I, I'm sure there are use cases. There's probably hedging use cases, but for me that's probably the least interesting because if you're at the point where you're going to hedge, you can probably just actually hedge using the the futures market themselves. You don't need it wrapped up in an ETF. The Crypto Innovators ETF and FinTech and Blockchain ETF have exposure to companies that are building stuff in the crypto ecosystem. I guess this can become a conversation of do you invest in gold or do you invest in gold miners? What would be the pros and cons of investing in Bitcoin or investing in the companies that are building blockchain-related businesses? Well, the same as if you're investing in gold or the gold gold miners. Well, do you want to like give those... That point. Well, if you're investing in the asset itself, you're uh, not actually investing in any sort of, well, I say asset, but you're not investing in, in any sort of uh, asset that's producing cash flow. You, it's, you know, uh, subject to supply and demand forces, that sort of stuff. But if you're investing in companies that are leveraging the underlying technologies, uh, you're investing in an asset that's actually producing some sort of a cash flow and actually has some sort of a, a future behind it i guess yeah i think the the key for me is that if you're investing in the businesses they're in some ways a leveraged bet on Mm. the asset because if bitcoin goes up and crypto goes up these businesses their share price will go up because you know they are working in that space and they're exposed to it and many of them hold the asset on their balance sheet so in some ways you get that a bit of extra leverage but the other thing to keep in mind is that this space is changing so quickly and like the winners of today and the biggest companies of today may not be the biggest companies in the future and so if you're bullish on Bitcoin, Bitcoin could go up, but some of these companies could fall off because they'll get disrupted by new entrants into the space. Mm. So uh, I think you just have to be very aware of what you're buying because buying a company that's working in the space and buying the asset itself are correlated. They're, they will move similarly, but they're not the same. So to hear more about this space, we should actually speak to some of the experts. So let's uh, let's give Tracy a call, CEO of Bamboo, Australia's only micro-investing app focused on cryptocurrency, to, to get her take on what's going on in the markets. So now joined by Tracy, who is the COO at Bamboo, Australia's only micro-investing app focused on cryptocurrency. So Tracy, welcome. Hey, guys. So we've just had a chat on the show about the new ETFs that have come to the market in the crypto space. We had the ProShares Bitcoin strategy, the BetaShares Crypto Innovations, and the ETF Securities FinTech and Blockchain. Now, given you're uh, currently in the, in the middle of cryptocurrency land, what, what's your view about these new products? Oh, look, I think um, it's really exciting. And this type of approval is great for any Aussie investors who are looking to gain some exposure, I guess, to the crypto asset class. And I guess even just learn a little bit more about the field itself. I guess this is good in a way that if perhaps your risk appetite isn't quite there yet and you don't want to join an exchange or an app or, you know, getting involved in the ETF represents another way in which you can invest in these technologies. I think you mentioned the better shares. I mean, that listing, that won't give, you know, direct access to Bitcoin, Ethereum, but an index of the underlying funds. So that offers good exposure, you know, to the global companies who 
who are really at the forefront of the crypto economies. I think it's great. Now, Tracy, at Bamboo, uh, you're focused on giving people an opportunity to dollar cost average into the assets themselves. So I think I know the Mm -hmm. answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, Any interest in investing in these ETFs or will you be sticking to investing in the assets themselves? Look, to be honest, I wasn't giving it serious thought until I had a good read yesterday at how it was um, breaking all the trading volumes at the moment. You know, um, I think it was, you know, breaking these within a few hours of listing. I think even just yesterday I looked and it was 7% up. So, you know, 7% isn't, you know, the same kind of gains as we get in the the crypto world (laughs) at least on the small side. But um, no, look, I think my portfolio is already heavily weighted enough in these assets themselves and I'm happy to stick with my current plan. You've just launched um, a podcast, which is awesome, the Crypto Curious. Uh, So can you tell us a bit about the show? The global cryptocurrency market just yesterday hit 3 trillion US for the first time ever. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, wow. This, you know, this asset class isn't going away. And I think the education in this space isn't great. So when myself and co-hosts Blake and Craig entered the market years ago, we made many mistakes and we wished that we'd had a little bit more advice and guidance. That's kind of spurred us on to develop the podcast. So, you know, it's a place where we can break down all things crypto into simple uh, and easy to understand concepts. We know that it can seem a little bit difficult, these concepts, to, to get your head around, but we try and put it into everyday terms and explain things and make them a little bit easier to understand for those who are a little bit crypto curious, as we say. <laughs> well, Tracy, the podcast has launched incredibly well. You got to number one in the charts, uh, which yeah. we always love to see. <laughs> Very exciting. No pressure to hold it there. But, but, uh... <laughs> but you know what was perhaps the most ringing endorsement of your launch was I went around to dinner at my uh, parents' house last night and my mum was excitedly telling me all about uh, dApps, uh, which are apps <laughs> built on the Ethereum blockchain, because she'd listened to the first three episodes. So, no. uh, you're you've got a pretty uh, pretty broad reach, I imagine, if you're getting my mum into cryptocurrency, <laughs> getting the mums involved. Well, look, there's so many misconceptions out there, so we're hoping to help people with some of those. Yeah. Well, what are some of the big myths you want to bust, or some of the big misconceptions uh, you want to correct uh, on the show? Yeah. Look, there's there's plenty, and I think um, one of the main ones is people saying, "I oh, look, I can't afford a whole Bitcoin," and you know, to that I say, "Not many can." Today, <laughs> I think we're sitting at you know eighty eight thousand Australian dollars. So, and that's a big misconception for sure, and that you have to buy a whole Bitcoin to get started. And for anyone new to crypto, that can be really off putting. But since you know Bitcoin is digital, it can can be divided into as many as, you know, 100 million pieces. You don't need to buy a whole one. You know, you can buy and sell and send, you know, and receive a tiny fraction. So another big one is, and I get this every day, is people thinking that they've missed the boat. You know, we're too late. You know, they say, you know, I should have bought last year when it was X amount. And to that we say, you'll be saying the same thing this time next year. It's never too late to average into the market. And and we believe that, you know, we're very early into this overall crypto journey, uh, especially when you look at things like uh, the adoption numbers for the internet you know, technology back in the early 90s, which is probably the closest example of this kind of, you know, adoption that we're with crypto. You know, we're really early. We're early adopters. So 
now's the time to learn. So join us on the on the podcast and, and start that journey. Yeah, love it, Tracy. I'm really enjoying the podcast as well and certainly going to learn a lot from you over the next, well, however long this goes for. And I think you're right. We're right. It feels like we're, we are right at the start of this and uh, it's exciting to be able to unpack it every week. So the, your fourth episode is live now. It's looking at the bigger picture, a guide to altcoins. So if you're interested in that, head over to Crypto Curious to check it out. And if you're also interested in dollar cost average, into Bitcoin and Ethereum and head over and have a look at uh, the Bamboo app. But Tracy, absolute pleasure. Congrats on the launch and uh, we look forward to keeping in touch and bringing you on for a Crypto Curious update every now and then. Excellent. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. So Ren, to close out, we did mention right at the top that we have completed a, a raise, a seed round here at Equity Mates Media, which is very exciting. And we've got a, a number of questions and things that we just want to make clear and clarify for those that are interested um, so if you have made it to this part of the episode, then um, we're just going to spend a couple of minutes addressing some of those uh, big questions and um, and why we did it and uh, and sort of how it all happened. Yeah. So let's start with uh, who invested because that's what the AFR definitely led with and, and it's something we're really proud of and really excited by. Um, Magellan, the f- fund manager, Larry Diamond, the Zip founder and CEO or co-founder and CEO, a few other big names. The important thing to stress is that no strings attached. We're not going to be spruiking Magellan any more than we did naturally before they were investors. Yeah. But yeah, this is this is about um, growing equity mates and, and they've all invested on that basis. I think for us, something that we're really proud of is that they're all former guests. Uh, Magellan have been on the show. Larry's been on the show. Charlie's been on the show. Everyone else has been on the show. And for us, that that means a lot because it, it some of these people were pretty reluctant to come on in the first place. We chased Hamish Douglas for years before we could get him on. But then they very quickly realized the power of podcasting and the power of the Equity Mates community. So uh, for us, that's really reassuring. But yeah, any thoughts that things will change, the content we deliver, what we say, how we say it, put them out of your mind because nothing's going to change. Yeah, this is just a really exciting time for us. We've been fortunate enough to be able to quit our jobs almost a year ago to the day. And this is now going to help us take Equity Mates to the next stage. You know, we're really passionate about making markets accessible, giving you guys uh, the best access to experts and business leaders, tools and resources as possible. And this is uh, a way for us to continue to do that, continue to build Equity Mates Media in a way that is going to support you guys on your investing journey. So to Ren's point, you know, it's it's certainly not we're going to be endorsing any of our investors more than any of the other experts or people that we get on the show. All the commercial relationships for sponsorships and everything are going to remain as they have um, since day one. So yeah, look, we're happy to take questions. If you do have any, hit us up at contact at equitymates.com. But uh, it's exciting times for us. And I want to just say that it is off the back of the continued support from the equity mates community obviously we wouldn't have been able to get here if it weren't for you guys who continue to listen to us week in week out but not only us the rest of our community uh, and the rest of our suite of shows as well we now have seven shows in the network and uh we're going to continue to grow that so thank you so so much for being with us along the journey yeah nice one i think uh that's a good place to end it if people have questions they can hit us up on socials or on email um but yeah more of the same and more content i think is really the the takeaway that's it see you on thursday hey thanks for listening to this episode of equity mates we love hearing from you so drop us a line at contact at equitymates.com or even better go to your podcast player and leave a five-star review 
Also, a reminder that the Equity Mates content train doesn't stop when you've run out of episodes to binge. We've got a brand new website, a Facebook discussion group. We're on Instagram, YouTube, and slowly making our way as an influencer on TikTok. Well, that's Ren. So uh, come and say hello and join the community. We'd love to welcome you. Until next time. Equity Mates Investing Podcast is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Meets Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast or video. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.